Welcome back to NLP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Miles Caparis from Include Software, Neil Glatt from Grow the Bench, Luke Melangrano from Mariani Landscape, and Brett Lemke from RM Landscape. How are you doing today, guys? I'm great. Good, good Miles. How are you doing? Uh, good. Yeah. Uh, the East Coast finally got some snow. DC got like a smattering. Um, it's kind of all gone now, pretty much, but winter's here officially, which is which is cool. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't, be, uh, you wouldn't be able to tell with your with your background today. It looks looks sunny and beautiful out and back. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> Virtual backgrounds, you know. He's holding just, on to summer as long as he can. That's right. No, I like winter. I can I can go skiing now. Well, soon. It's getting there. I'm excited. <laughs> Either way, we have a guest today. Uh, Luke, do you mind doing the honors? Absolutely. Uh, today joining us, we have Matt Grammer, uh, who is the president of, or sorry, Matt Gramer, uh, who's the president of NatureWorks Landscape Services, Inc., a high-end residential landscape firm serving suburban Boston. Uh, Matt has a bachelor's in business management from Bentley University, is past president of the Massachusetts Association of Landscape Professionals, is a Massachusetts certified landscape professional, and is the current chairperson of the NALP Professional Development and Standards Advisory Council. NatureWorks Landscape Services offers a variety of services, including estate care, fine gardening, plant health care, irrigation, tree care, seasonal decor, design and construction, as well as snow and ice management. The $10 million company uh, employs approximately 85 outstanding team members who all make it happen. Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, is there anything I missed in that? No, Luke, that was terrific. Thanks so much. It's like to be here. Awesome. Well, Matt, thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you on. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of questions that I think that we want to get to um, and in a couple topics, but uh, I, I recently... Is the I, I was a part of the NLP uh, the tech forum right the um, the tech conference the virtual tech conference and uh, and I was watching your session that you did or like that you're uh, that you teamed up with a, another speaker and you had this whole thing on um, on autonomous mowers right and you probably had the most detailed real life presentation I've ever seen on the topic and I was like we need to have this guy on because this is really interesting and it's kind of looking to the future of potentially where the industry might go, right? So I'd love to really like kind of dive into the details here a little bit. Um, so you guys have been a pretty early adopter from what I understood from the presentation and from what we've seen. Um, what has been your driving factor behind that? And yeah, Miles. Um, you know, so, so that NALP Innovation and Tech Forum was awesome. Uh, I, I likewise appreciated the segment you did a lot of great ideas for our members, like on just trying to challenge the status quo and do things differently. Um, and yeah, I, I, I sort of enjoyed putting that presentation together and it was sort of, I tried to make it really rich with content. Like I wanted everyone to get their, their $99 admission fee or whatever it was like paid. So a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, specifically with robotic mowing, um, you know, we've been in business 25 years and, um, you know, mowing is kind of the, the sort of baseline for a lot of landscape firms. Just sort of that, that sort of basic task that's got to get done every week. And, 
you know, our company, as I sort of explained in that, that presentation, you know, I've always had it like in our DNA to, again, do things differently. Um, there's always been a little bit of an edge, like a little bit of frustration with our industry that it, that it sort of hasn't quite evolved as quickly as some others. Um, so, you know, mowing just seemed like, you know, when, when we first heard of robotic mowing, we're like, all right, this kind of, this is interesting, right? Like the traditional model of, you know, let's say an F450 pulling a trailer with a bunch of gas mowers and, um, you know, a few crew members who are becoming harder and harder to find. Um, you know, we just felt like there's gotta be a better, a better way. So we kind of embarked on the robotic mowing journey, like, like some others have. Uh, I know Luke, Luke mentioned that, you know, Mariani, Frank put, put a couple at his house. Um, but, you know, it's simply what I did. I got one at my house. I wanted to live it, breathe it. I want to observe everything it did, like the pros, the cons. Um, so that, that's where it started. Um, and, and I guess the last piece of that is, um, we just thought it was really consistent with our company goals of sustainability. So kind of wherever we were able to make an impact, whether it's, you know, general battery powered equipment or recycling, um, robotic mowing really fit that as well. Nice. So, um, so what have been some challenges that you've, you've had so far? Just, just the, just the challenge part, then I think we can talk about the benefits and yeah, what you so, so I'll just give you a, a little bit of color because I think myself, like a bunch of other people, were, were really excited about the, the big potential of robotic mowing. So, you know, we kind of first, I started another company called Greenwave to, to sort of pursue um, robotic mowing on a bigger scale, direct to consumer. And, um, you know, so outside of NatureWorks, but pretty quickly learned that it was such a new technology. And this is like four years ago, maybe five years ago that people just didn't even know it existed. They thought it was some far flung like concept. So the, the energy and work and money we had to put into like educating a customer to get them to sign on was, was like prohibitive. So customer acquisition costs was just too high. Um, so that was really like our first challenge I'll say with robotic mowing. And then we, we sort of regrouped and said, all right, let's just focus on, on sort of introducing the mowers to NatureWorks um, and our clients where we already had like those relationships in place. Um, so it was a much easier kind of sell, let's say. Um, so again, on the, the challenge side, um, you know, we started implementing these, these mowers. Uh, we currently have about 40. Um, Lots of uh, lots of challenges. I, you guys have heard from some other folks that have been involved. Um, it's it's not exactly set it and forget it. Um, it kind of starts with a quality installation. Like if that's not done right, then you're gonna have problems like forever. And 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 we did too. We just we we got a little sloppy a, a few times and uh, we paid the price. Um, yeah. So just. Mowers getting stuck, um, you know, software glitches, you know, being new technology. Um, and then we have sort of this whole dynamic we call a friendly fire, which is like our own teams, like causing damage to the mowers or like the perimeter wire. So 
had to do a lot of work around that, but uh, definitely a, a lot of challenges. <laughs> Some good stuff, but. Man, I think I think we're uh, you you start talking about those those challenges and those just they just keep replaying in my mind uh, at any of the properties we have you know bed edging bam break a wire and you know the mower's down or uh, you know like you said poor installation it really takes a lot of time to to properly map out a site and it's not just show up one day and start dropping wire into the ground you really have to. <clears throat> take some pictures, come up with a game plan, map things out. And, and if you do that, then you're setting yourself up for some good success. So, um, you know, this, to this point, this conversation is like most conversations I have on the bus to the trade show hall, you know, hall at GIE where it's like, Hey, what do you think of those, those robot mowers? And it's like, this whole conversation plays out. And then, 99% of people I talk to say, yeah, we think it's just a fad or that's not for us, but, but you stuck with it, right? You've got 40 customers online now with it. Um, what, what was that driving force to push through all those challenges? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. You know, like we, we have, we have this like unwavering vision of where this, you know, where our company needs to go. And, and I think also where the industry is heading, like, you know, it is amazing. Robotic mowing's been around for 25 years or so. Um, but only recently, you guys can appreciate, like, technology is, you know, accelerated. Like, it's getting better and better and better, faster and faster and faster. So, you know, we just had this, like, unwavering kind of vision that this is where it's going. And it's really painful right now. But I don't know, like, we just, we don't even think about it. We just buy more mowers, we put more mowers out. Um, and I think another angle with that, Neil, is like our customer response. Like our, our team loves the initiative and our customers love the initiative. So I don't know, I, I don't need a whole lot more than that to just keep going. It's not complete blind faith, but you know, I've spent, I don't know, at least a couple hundred thousand dollars so far on it and um, we'll spend more. So Matt, I'm I'm curious. You know, you you bring up the the customers and you know your previous <clears throat> the the more uh, direct to consumer company you started, but when you switched back to NatureWorks, um, you know, how did you go about approaching your clients about these? Um, and did do you, I mean, do you guys have a? There's also all sorts of different models I think that are out there. Uh, have you guys found a one that works well for you in terms of you know like a lease program to your clients? Um, you know, how are you how are you selling them to them and and utilizing them like that? Yeah, Luke, it, it's probably one of the most common questions we get asked. Everyone's trying to figure that out, and I've I've heard all sorts of different structures like like you have. Um, I'll kind of go back to like our macro view of this that um, we, we went to our clients and just said, you know what, would you be open to just doing mowing in a different way? So, you know, our deliverable to you is to, to keep the grass short, you know, so are, are you okay with us just doing that in a different way? And then we'd explain a little bit more what that meant, but um, that was really it. Like, so we, we did no price change, no increase, decrease um nothing like we just what we wanted to do is take any barrier out of the way we just wanted to be like hey like no risk whatsoever no change to you 
here's the benefits, by the way. It's gonna, your grass is gonna be always, you know, 2.5 inches high seven days a week. Your grass clipping is gonna get recycled. Your grass is gonna look like a carpet in eight to 10 weeks. It's amazing. Um, you know, just, it's quiet. You want to listen to our noise. So uh, again, even as I say those words, like this is, this is like a no brainer. Like it's just ridiculous. So, you know, again, having started with the mower at my house, I was able to really speak with that conviction and just be like, like, why would you do it any other way? So we just took the risk out of it for customers. And then sort of the last piece we literally just said, you know what? I don't care. It, give us a month. Like, let us, let's do it for a month. If you don't like it, out it goes. No, no, no harm, no fun. And uh, that, that's it. Just, and, you know, and, and I guess the macro view, again, like being so, you know, having the conviction that this is a, a direction that's productive. Um, like, I just want to get a hundred mowers out there and then we'll start to refine, like we'll, we'll dial it in more, but we need to, you know, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but we need to get some critical mass and get the mowers out there. Well, yeah. isn't it, I would say that's an important point that you, uh, that you addressed is that you believe and, and when you believe then it, it comes out in that passion and it, it cannot start with that this will create a dollar for me more, a dollar more for me someplace. It needs to be this organic uh, passion uh, and then apply. And I, I agree with that model. And that's probably a model I've heard more often. It's that, listen, if we're going to get this to you and this thing that we believe in it and no, it's not going to change uh, the price. We actually can look at the scope differently and, and come at this in a different perspective and, uh, and internally what's the value and savings of that. So there's, it doesn't always have to have that price tag, which is huge, a huge barrier for customers right off the bat, right? Like, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm just a, ma a max. How can you add something like this? And so, um, I, I think it, it, it gives easier when you are sharing and, and showing that, um, as a company, this is what we believe. And if nobody said, I mean, we're willing to put it on your property at no cost. And that, that's a big step forward. Yep. Yep. And I think, um, you know, like having customers, I don't know, they just, they respond to it well, they see it and, and they just, they just want to, they wouldn't go back to the old way let's say um, I, I think that's such a huge point right the end user wants this um it's a good move for the industry an industry by the way which can barely turn a profit doing this the way it's been doing right and um you know i think that if we don't really take advantage of this then contractors might find themselves in a big pickle when you know, these, these companies are already going direct to consumer, right? These things are already at Lowe's and Home Depot because, you know, it's really nice that you invested a couple hundred thousand dollars, but these companies have, you know, a couple hundred million dollars on the line in R&D, right, over the past 25 years. So that cost has got to get recouped. And, and I look at Roomba as a great example, right? Like they're everywhere and or, or knockoffs of them. And um it's easy for consumers to start to understand that. So I feel like this is where we're headed. I don't know if it's five year, 10 year, 20 year plan, but um, I think that there's an adjustment to the market coming. And I love how you're finding that you're, you can actually build more rapport with your customers, right? Like the big change is 
is the win for the customer respect for your company, for the loyalty that you get as a result, right? You, you kind of, you know, danced around the fact that this is a, a branding move. This is a way to show and live out your values in a way that's resonant with the end user. Yep. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it, it's amazing. I'm sure you guys have heard like uh, Roombas, like everyone names them. They kind of become like a pet, right? Part of the family. And um, there, was, there was a Wall Street Journal article about that, that iRobot was actually having problems because people would send their Roombas back to get repaired. And then iRobot was kind of like, oh, you know what? It's not worth repairing. We'll just send you a new one. And they're like, no, no, we want Rosie back. We don't want a new one. I mean, like that sort of sticky factor is, is just ridiculous. And, and that's like every single one of ours, you know, is named by the client. Um, you know, again, I shared some examples in that tech forum discussion, but um, yeah, just, just, it's so fun. And our account managers, you know, become playful in their sort of interaction with it. And uh, it, it's just a good, a good vibe. Well, um, when, when nowadays, better, faster, cheaper is not the differentiators anymore. This offers that perspective. And, and I, we, we're, uh, we do a lot of commercial maintenance and I, I, I don't know if it's a coincidence, but we're seeing a lot of conversation about commercial type mowers coming out there that are autonomous. And we sat down with a, a couple people and listened and, you know, I'm, I'm quick to adopt and I'm not even thinking about the client. Right. Like, and I think it's sort of the path that you went, Matt, was just this sounds really good for us. There's a workforce challenge. I love that, that solution. And it puts us, it takes us off what is in the Northeast, like the biggest budgeted hours piece is the turf on these commercial properties. Let's put that into other, our garden services and, and portering and all these other ones and look at the capacity that we can grow. And so I, I think, Neil, I, I think you're right that there, the conversation's growing, the technology's improving a great deal more, right? I mean, I'm sure they're going to solve that wire issue someday and that's, the wire is not going to be the issue ever again. And they they have, I, I've seen the demos, what they're doing with, you know, commercial mowers and, well, you could take, you know, it's a straight line more so that they, all these people are like, you know, no, but it can't do this, but no, it can't do that. And it won't be me. Um, now I, I I haven't brought it around my company yet. I'm, I'm slow to integrate it. So I guess what was the experience like for some, maybe your more tenured people, Matt, that said, well, you've taken that, that service. I took a lot of pride in me mowing that. How I'm the best at it. You can't replace me anymore. What, how did you sort of overcome that conversation or did it even happen? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, we, we have a great group of like landscape professionals, like on our maintenance team who just take a lot of pride in traditional mowing and, and this wasn't to slight that at all um and obviously we still do we still perform a fair amount of that um i think the reaction brett was was like really positive like literally we had we had some of those team members going home at night watching like every youtube video they could watch and learning about it and then coming into coming back to us and saying hey like i'm on board with this like how, you know how can i be involved like what, what can my role be um, so, so that's been great. And then we had, we certainly had some, um, proactive messaging just about, Hey, Hey, this, this is not about losing jobs. Like no one's gonna, no one's gonna lose a job. Like we're just, we need to get better at cross training We're we're going to need robotic mowing technicians, you know? So, and, and to date, you know, no one's been displaced by this, um, you know, to the contrary. Um, so that, that's been, a 
it's it's kind of been a non-issue and it's been a pleasant surprise i think that i mean <clears throat> i think that's always the 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 scary thought that runs through people's heads when they start to hear you know autonomous and robotic and stuff is bam oh, people are going to start losing their jobs out of this and i mean we're we're running roughly i think the same amount of mowers as you guys are somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 or 50 and not not one person has lost a job it's making our teams better it's making them stronger and that's what we're that's the way we're pushing and having discussions with them about is you know like look we're going to take away that task of just mowing all day long we want you to be able to learn how to properly prune how, how to properly take care of perennials do fine gardening things like that and by the way when that happens you know look at the 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 ceiling, you know, goes up, you can start making more money, better career opportunities, uh, better job advancement, all that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. No, yeah, no doubt. Sometimes I feel like we've had to add people to go chase around and keep this fleet working, but. Well, and doesn't that expand this opportunity? And so I think from a generational perspective, this is a, a technology to be working with, right? And so it's an industry that could open up and, you know, gosh, only knows where this technology goes if from like some of the commercial mowers, if they're being manned remotely. Uh, so it often, it opens probably a group, a workforce that we may not have experienced. And, and I, I tell you, I think if we got rid of this, we automated string trimming, everybody'd be happy to give that up, right? That's the one they'd be like, here, take it, automate the hell out of that thing. You, you know, it's cool. I'll just a little bit, um, a little bit off topic, but um, like kind of inspirational about where this can go. Like, We've been thinking, like, we've been just trying to, again, observe, right? And all the benefits, so like up in the Northeast, we have the crabgrass is always challenging. Like crabgrass goes away. It just does because the grass gets so thick. So I mean, it, it's nuts. And then, and then I said before, like the grass is always two and a half inches high. It's just consistently that height. So we've seen fungal issues go away because you, you guys know, like fung, fungus grows in like moist, uh, prolonged conditions, right? So we never have that thick grass that doesn't dry out. So all, all of a sudden that, that goes away. Um, so we're, we're just learning and, and we're like, okay, gee, the recycled clipping. So now can we reduce our FERT program, you know, from whatever, five visits to four, maybe we only need three, you know, so like really a game changer. And then if you really want to kind of expand your thinking, and I, I think the robotic mowing companies are already thinking this way, but these things with all the sensors they have and camera potential. So think about like, um, I'm gonna make this up, but uh, gyp gypsy moths up in the Northeast, like caterpillars that eat foliage on trees. So I, I think they can get to the point where the droppings from the caterpillars are being recorded by the mower. And then you're getting like a Facebook ad to spray your trees. I, I think there's dots to be connected that will blow your mind. I don't know, we'll see. And that, that tech exists already. I'm just like paying attention to like other, to other areas, non-landscaping. Cause like, that's kind of like what I live in um, now. But like the fact that, um, like I was looking at some like mapping providers and like they use artificial intelligence to and machine learning to like detect like the corners of houses that are blocked by tree cover, right. For roofers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, as that, that technology is like, it's pretty much there. It's just like, again, connecting the dots, right. If you throw cameras that are looking up at the tree canopy, right. For instance, when they're mowing underneath it and like they can 
see like leaf loss over time in area, like during a time of year that leaf loss shouldn't be occurring, right? There's like, there might be a problem here. Like sure. the computer can, it's crazy. Yeah. Like you're saying, like it's, there's, there's a lot more dots. Like this is just the start. Like it's, 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 I, I don't know. I think it's cool. So. Me too. <laughs> well, I, I think we have to, right? I mean, there's a con- technology conferences. People are needing this as an evolution to companies. And we are a, a, you know, we have a great legacy of an industry, right? And how we do it and what we do and to hand prune that rose and the right way and that piece. And so there's those that, that, and that has a grip, but there is a path forward here that I think gets you a little more excited about it. Um, you know, I'm second generation of our, our company and I've learned what you have to work harder to succeed, more hours you put in, the more hours, like that's how what we were measured. And, and now it's just changing that mindset to wh- where is that relationship growth? Where is Where are we being a heck of a lot smarter? Where are we promoting people uh, and how we do it faster? Because all that's changed, right? And uh, so you have to embrace this. You don't have to go full tilt, but be it in the, the software and the, the equipment use, the, just the training, like it has to be embraced somewhere. Yeah, I was, I was just on a call with a company that is fully automating property takeoffs and they'll return to you turf area, pavement area, but also the linear foot of soft edging versus hard edging and the number of trees. And it's all mapped out. And they're actually working on, um, they're about six months away from AI being able to do it all automatically. Um, and that's like the end goal of the company, right? So can you imagine if like takeoffs weren't a thing, you just blast it off to, you know, site recon and 24 hours later, you've got, uh, or I mean, um, for 24 minutes later, instead of 24 hours later with no labor cost involved, like it's, it's game changers like that, that. But, it, you know, it won't catch legs if nobody uses it and, and if nobody goes first and, and works to make this a reality, right? Like there's not, there's not people that are just going to keep investing in this if there's no pickup from it by, by contractors. Yep. Well, you have the, what is it, the innovators and the early adopters and the early majority. And, you know, that, that group, you know, I give you guys credit on this podcast for you know, having these conversations because I think it helps to shift the mindset on a, on a variety of topics. But, you know, like I, I think we talked a little bit earlier, like my, my view is fairly long-term and macro with robotic milling. And I think so many of our like NALP members and uh, landscape friends, um, they, they sort of don't quite see the, the long-term. So I think encouraging that thinking. So for example, like we'll post a robotic mowing picture on Instagram and we'll get a lot of good feedback, but then there'll be, you know, some landscaper that says you're lazy <laughs> and, and, and they're kind of missing, they're kind of missing the point. Um, and, and it just, the other sort of thing we, we hear a lot is, is the price points. So con, you know, landscape businesses sometimes have a hard time thinking like, how do I go and spend $2,000 and I'm getting paid $50 for the lawn mowing. You know, the, it just, like, just no way. Like, so whether it's cash flow or, or whatever the barrier is, um, or they just don't understand. And I tried to explain this a little bit in that tech form. Um, you know, we're looking at more of a five-year 
financial window. It, it's not about, you know, this year. It, it, you can't look at it that way. I think the sm- uh, I think suppliers and the innovators are getting smarter and helping companies see think through this right and and have these aha moments. We, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of great business owners that know the landscape industry and how to build a profitable business, but then you add these kind of elements in, and it's just like, all right, well, can you just one more time, just run that those numbers by you one more time, and and, and so it, it's that partnership piece, right? And um, and every time that happens, and the more that it happens. Um, these things move a lot faster, a heck of a lot faster. I will say, I was told early on, like when I first put in at my house, I, I kind of kept saying like, why isn't robotic mowing catching on faster? And I was told by manufacturers like that it's a product that you have, actually have to see to believe. And then it sort of spreads like wildfire. And I think about my little you know, microcosm, my neighborhood, um, say it's got 30 homes. I've had my lawn for five years being mowed robotically and not, no other lawn has sort of moved in that direction. So I, I don't know, you know, you're starting to see more ads on TV. You're starting to, see, you know, it's getting a little more mainstream, but it's still pretty far from, you know, taking off. And, and I think um, you actually brought up a really interesting point about like the, the business, the, the financing and especially it's, it's definitely new territory for landscaping businesses because, but it's not new territory for like any other business that has been, automated we could talk manufacturing right so like for instance drug companies they put millions and millions and millions of dollars in upfront costs and then they manufacture the drug and it's all about like cash flow right to like and 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 it's it's not of course that research gets paid off but it's about the cash flow that they generate in the current time to invest into more stuff for the future right and so like that's a that's a different way of thinking about it for landscaping professionals especially because uh, we don't run that way. You know, it's more like, um, here's the contract in here, but like, it's, 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 it's more of like, um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way. And it's a different way of thinking about like how to finance and run your business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that the money is a hurdle and then sort of the operational challenges. Um, you have to have kind of both resources. You have to have, you know, horsepower in terms of people to, to pull this off and, and, course the, the capital um and that's the big things i think that that patience is probably key and, and and just like you said you you learn the the ins and outs i mean i again we we went through a presentation uh on some mowers that could help with those commercial properties and i'm like well why aren't we going to go all in but then it was like just let this technology evolve right and, and and even those that are really prepared and planned as a supplier or manufacturer they let them there's things to be learned and so um, that progression, I think is important and a well laid out plan, even if it does sound great and, you know, how much is really too good to be true, but then, but just by due diligence and, and patience, you'll, it, it's way more successful. Right. And that, that I, I respected that that's required in all this. I, I think you hit on something really important too, Matt, about this goal of getting to a hundred mowers and making your pilot program have critical mass to really see how it works. Right. Um, I remember when the, uh, the ride on snow sidewalk machines came out, right. First year, $20,000 machine. A lot of people wanted one. Some people were buying one and we were like, we're going to try 10 as a pilot. And people were like, you bought 10 on the first year. And we're like, yeah. Cause that's how else would you know 
if what you got was the real deal, right? Like if one goes down, then they all suck. And if one works out great with your best operator, then you've got a false positive, right? Um, when it comes to the, the autonomous mowers, what, what are you hoping to achieve at 100 that you can't achieve at 40 very well? You know, I think at 40, where you, know, you start to get some critical mass, like a big enough data set on things. But, you know, as that moves more towards 100, it's just more. Um, so, for example, like we, we surveyed our customers in October, our automower customers. Uh, we surveyed 40 of them and we asked a series of, of questions about their experience. And, and we got 15 back. And, you know, that was good data. I mean, the, the sort of headline of, of the responses was 77% um, of them said they would never return to traditional mowing. They would never want to. So again, that just was fuel, that added fuel to the fire. It's like, man, let, let's go, <laughs> let's keep, keep going. Um, but, but getting like, if we had a hundred mowers out there, even things like that, like client feedback, like we could just get a richer data set um, and just more, more experience, like just more, more learning the nooks and crannies, just, just where are the pitfalls and, and they're, they're everywhere. And then more brain share and like how to overcome them. Cause you know, I, like we kind of think about at a hundred, we want to get to the point where we're sharing mowers more like between properties. So like we buy one and we put in Mrs. Jones and Mrs. Smith, and maybe we're optimizing, maybe there's some logistics software that can help us optimize mow time per home with the same mower. And then we have like a scooter with like a little pizza box delivery thing on the back, you know, and, and the scooter's just driving around, grabbing the mower from here on Wednesday morning, putting it over here. And, you know, that Miles, I know, I mean, again, your tech background, like, all that logistics, supply chain, like all that technology is there, but it's not in landscape, not yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, no, you're right. I, I, that's that's why I love my job because like the landscape industry has like so much potential to take on that because there hasn't really been any bad habits developed because the tech, a lot of the mainstream tech providers have not been focusing on our industry, but that's that's becoming less true. It's becoming less true though. Um, especially yeah. when we have larger organizations investing like John Deere and right. Wouldn't we, yeah. wouldn't we promote the idea of Amazon trying to figure, I mean, if they're going to drop a, with a drone, drop a package in some year, right. And let, let them, you know, they're not going to go specifically out of industry, but that's, that's where the innovation is really starting. And when Google came out with Google maps and uh, Google earth, I mean, uh, the, I was in free, how much time was saved just by that element alone and how we go do takeoffs and look at now they'll drive into parking lots. I, there's no reason to leave the office, right? You just do a quick road, it'll spin around. And I counted the shrubs and cause it's like, we all it's 16 inches of snow outside. There's no counting a perennial or a shrub today. And so, so I, I think we, you know, it's, it's, it's adopting everyday uh, technologies and habits that, and they're thinking through the, and so they've got, this human element that they're thinking through, right? And on that element there. And so I, and of course that's way beyond our R&D budgets all over the place. So let them figure this thing out and, and let's, let's just sort of take little pieces of that and adapt it to our industry. You know, what's, what's exciting again is the speed of technology today. And even when you think about that measuring sites example, like I don't know how many years it took to go from like that measuring wheel I used to keep in my truck 
that used to pace walk properties. And then it went to, you know, a go island type of technology. So the platform was there, but then you still had to do the work. And now what Neil's talking about, right, is sort of just send me the address and we kick you back like, like infinite data that you need. But, you know, you, like that span, I don't, I don't know how many years that was, but that, that was probably like a 10 year span. I don't even know. Maybe more. I, I know I got into the industry in 2009 and my boss handed me a wheel and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> Let me show you Google Earth. <laughs> and and uh, he made me like prove it. Like I had to go measure properties both ways. And I remember spending three hours measuring a parking lot and then like three minutes doing it on Google. And I'm like, look, it's dude, it's exactly the same. Please, can we just not not spend... 10% of my week doing this anymore for every single property. Right. And, um, but it's amazing just how it's not more mainstream to me too, at the same time. Right. At the same time as, yeah, it's, it's progressing so rapidly and it's so affordable. Um, it's like, how is this not the standard that we're improving from right now? Right. Like how, how are people who are starting out in the industry, not, not aware of this, I guess. It just boggles my mind. I think it's a time thing, right? Like we're also busy doing other things that we feel are more important, but like adopting a new technology takes initial upfront time investment. But once you make that initial time investment, understand and, and get buy-in from other people that to get the application of it, then that's when it pays off. But people, you know, it's like short-term versus long-term thinking like Matt's saying, right? If you have a long-term thought you're willing to put into work now for speed later, but people are focused on speed now, usually, um, especially if you're running a smaller, you know, a, ha what half the industry is just small businesses. So you're doing everything. It's like, you know, you don't have the time to focus on that. You're just like, all right, I'm just going to keep on doing what I want because what I have been doing, because well, I mean, you're I not thinking about it. Right. I guess, I guess, you know, for me, I've always budgeted time to improvement, right. In like process and technology. That's just, I don't know. That's how I grew up. It's like part of what I do. And so, um, you're not going to find, you're, you're exactly right, Miles. You're not going to find it naturally. When something's working, you know, it works. But I feel like if you can just spend an hour a week to investigating something new um, and be like, what did I spend time on this week? That maybe could be half or 10% with the right technology. Because there's so many solutions these days. I'll, I'll emphasize though, when you like, cause we're early adopters of some of this technology, like even GPS, right. And you know, we were on board, but of all these tech things that we will classify there percentage of use is I have none of at a hundred. I'm not exceeding any of you. I'm not maxing out any of these. I have a GPS and all most of us do is look at where a truck is. It's got data coming out left and right. Right. And they promote all that, but and we say, yeah, yeah, we're good. That's amazing. But then we do not apply that. And so how many of these, uh, this, how much of this technology do we already have, but are not leveraging it to know that, you know, this will tell you your PM service and, Oh, I know. But, and so I'd even say, spend that hour day going back to what you have. And 100%. Just digging deep. Yeah. hundred percent. Matt, so, what oh, what sorry. else besides automowers are you applying this to? I know there's other. If you've thought about scooters to move them between properties, I can't imagine what else is percolating over there at NatureWorks. Uh, you, you know, it's it's funny. We uh, sometimes we I tell our team like we're we're running a, a traditional landscape company until we can really figure out how to flip it on its head or 
do to find that 10x change. Um, yeah, that that's kind of what we're we're striving for. Um, sad to report, I don't I don't have the 10x change at the moment, but um, I don't know. Just just I think we're at the moment, like you know, they say you can do one thing 100% better or 100 things 1% better, and and I I think we're we're looking at all all areas again until we find that big thing we're looking at each area so you know even i mentioned before like the snow work um you know we're using all tractors with rear mount snow work like or rear rear mount snow blowers but just in general if you know someone zigs we want to zag if, if this is a traditional model we want to sort of turn it turn it on its head um so we're, we're trying to do that we're trying to figure out the technology like how to how to apply it to the customer experience. Um, that's one area that's kind of near and dear to my heart. Um, so real quick, I you know we're probably running short on time, but like I have, um, I, I got a, a, a new mattress delivered yesterday for my daughter. And uh, you know, the company, the furniture store says, okay, we're gonna come between these hours and then we're gonna call you 10 minutes before. And then all of a sudden 10 minutes, well, actually the phone rings, they're like, We'll be there in 10 minutes. So, you know, they delivered on that promise. Then 10 minutes later, the truck's in the in the driveway. The, the mattress comes in the house. And then like five minutes after the truck leaves, the phone rings again. And it's customer service person making sure that we're happy with everything, how the service decks do. And I'm just like, all these experiences that we get in other parts of our lives, other interactions with businesses, like, I just think we... We can't get there. And I, I'm encouraged, like Miles was saying, the tech is out there and there's starting to be more investment in this space. Um, that That's awesome. Um, but I, I can't get there fast enough. Like I'm not that patient. Um, so I'd love to see us like deliver that customer experience and not just all those digital touch points, but you know, make it a little more broad. I think we're working on the idea of how to process these these technologies or ideas and put them through the same filters so that one we aren't just jumping when you know you see squirrel or right? you just look and you're, and you're in it's that you are putting everything through a filter that says is it us do we believe it can we get be, be passionate about it and and we don't have that formula yet but when that formula is there then this stuff all comes a lot faster and I mean, I, I think what you have accomplished, Matt, is that you have your team thinking this way continuously, and that puts you on the path of these ideas will come a lot faster versus those that will are just sort of waiting for they fall in the lap or until someone puts a really cool commercial on and says, you must have this. And that's just smack your face. So um, I, I think that, that, that how the team is aware and how they process this and then how they implement is, is probably the 10 X idea of that we could put together. I'll, I'll share one more quick one. If, if that's all right. We, um, so this winter, we're just like, how do we train? Like we have an off season in theory here in, in the Northeast being seasonal. So we're like, how do we train in the off season? We have people available. Like how do we build their skills? So we just were like, we brainstormed, we ended up long story, long story long. Um, we rented an 8,000 foot greenhouse and then we bought a bunch of plants and we did a landscape design with a patio, a wall, plantings. We're gonna drip irrigate it. We're gonna put planters in the patio. We're gonna drip irrigate the planters. And we're building training modules to each of those steps. We're doing plant identification. We're cycling everyone through in the month of January. 
So it's just like, I don't know, like you have to think outside the box a little bit. The greenhouse guy that I called was just like, it took a while for me to explain what I wanted to do. <laughs> it was a little bit foreign, but that that's sort of what we want to be doing. And that has to have value at who's coming to, to work for you because they've come from the traditional landscaper in your market and saying, well, one, autonomous mowers, two, that kind of, you know, focus on training and, and the emphasis. And, and so it's okay that your market's not embracing mowers right now, right? This is a big differentiator in this technology. It, it'll yeah. all, well, it soon will be like the zero turn. Everybody's going to have one, I, I, am, I believe, right? But, um, but right now it's nice to be on the, the cutting edge of that piece. Absolutely. So, uh, so Matt, real quick, I know that um, I wanted to touch on the fact that you're the chairman of the Professional Development Standards um, Advisory Council. Um, and can you tell us what that is and why, I mean, can just like NALP and like why that's important? Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, it's a really long name, isn't it? I don't know who made that name up. I can <laughs> um, so, so I'll try to be succinct on this. Um, you know, NALP has been doing some really good work lately, as, as all you guys know, sort of taking a fresh look at a number of different things. And one of those areas, um, I've been the chairman of the Education Advisory Council. And um, we've sort of just been working on how to make sure there's alignment within the organization, within the association um, of all the education and professional development activities and initiatives. So I think we were, we were a little bit guilty in the past of, um, like, so again, I was on the education council and there'd be some education event going on over here, but it wasn't even under the band, under the, within the purview of the EAC, the council. So we had a lot of that going on. We, I'm going I'm to call it a little bit of um, disjointed educational events like that just didn't align with sort of the division of the board of directors and um, what, what we wanted to be doing. So um, this new council, professional development and advisory. Standards. 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 I got I to learn that. But, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, these committees roll up to this council pretty much. So the landscapes committee, you know, that that's going undergoing a lot of change with our new annual meeting structure, uh, renewal remembrance, the awards, uh, safety and risk, the high standards committee, the certification committee. So they're, they're sort of all um, rolling up to the council. And then the council, you know, my job, our job is to um, sort of really have a view of the overarching educational and professional development strategy for our members and then make sure the committees, you know, support the committees and their efforts to achieve that goal. So I hope that makes sense, but it's, uh, it's new. Uh, we're still forming the actual council, um, but a lot, a lot of good work, a little bit of heavy lifting right now, but it'll be good. So, so with that, I guess my question is like, and this is, I guess, this, this is a question I wanted, really wanted to ask you was what, what does, what do you see professionalism you know, we talk about tech, but professionalism is also part of this. And this probably could be its own podcast, but what's like your vision of what professionalism looks like in the industry if in the future? Yeah. So 
So I'm going to answer that maybe a little different than you, you think. Um, I'm very big on compensation. Like I, I want, I want people in our industry to make really good money. Um, so I, I want to, I want to, we're working on that at our company. Like how do we get some lift? Like within our company, like everyone sort of elevates. Um, and then, you know, maybe it sort of can extend to the broader industry, but, you know, I think that's, a good starting point, like particularly in the Northeast, Brett, I don't know if you run into this, but we have a lot of seasonal folks. I mean, in the Massachusetts market, I mean, I don't know how you live and pay bills and raise a family and save money on nine months of, of income. So we, we kind of, you know, have to solve that for our people to really make this a viable uh, career option for them. And uh, sometimes I think about the, the, uh, the analogy of, um, you know, like 20 years ago, someone who prepared food was a, was a cook and now they're a chef, right? Like it's sort of, it's evolved. Um, it, it's, there's more cachet to it. There, it. It's a career. It's looked upon a little more uh, positively. Uh, similarly in Europe, like gardening is a, is held in high stature. Um, so I'd love to see movement in that direction. And I think it starts by, um, you know, finding efficiencies in how we run our business, which then can afford us the ability to pay our team members more, and then just continue to attract really good people into this industry and, and have them stay. So well, I think you're, you're not just wanting to move towards that, but you're really leading the charge map, you know, when you're, when you're automating the baseline tasks, right, the unskilled labor, and I think that mowing lawns is really close, if not unskilled labor, right? Um, when, you, when you remove that as what most people see our industry as and, and put a robot down and now you're using, uh, not, I forget what title you had, but robot mower technician, right? Sure. Who's, who's running command for that whole thing. And now your, your people are, are physically doing that fine gardening type work I think you're starting to elevate towards that direction. And I think it's, uh, I, I just, I, I'm really appreciative of you driving that, you know, in your business and for the association as a whole. Well, I, I can't take all the credit for that, but it's fun. It's fun work. It, it just is, you know, I read, read the book Fish like 40 years ago. I'm only 47, but uh, anyway, a long time ago. And uh, there's one section that always stood with me. It's it sort of that, it, it said, be world famous. And that's always stuck with me. Like, and, and I personally don't want to be world famous, but I don't have much interest in running just another landscape business. Like, so, you know, again, we're not there. We are a landscape business. We, we look, you know, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Uh, we are a landscape business, but it's a lot of fun to spend time and energize your team and imagine what's possible and, and uh, put things on, on, on its head. That's awesome. Um, so we're just going to wrap it up here. Uh, I think that we'll dive right into the rose and thorn. Matt, I don't know if you listen to any of our podcasts, but essentially the rose and thorn is what's going on, what's going well in, in our lives and what's not going so great. So we just kind of do a round robin and share with the team and, yeah, that's pretty much it. Who wants uh, who wants to kick us off? You can start us off. So, right. uh, 
my rose is I get to be part of the uh, Northern Green Expo that the Minnesota Nursery and Landscape Association is putting on next week. And uh, my thorn is that I don't get to travel to the Twin Cities like I was planning to six, seven, eight months ago. But um, I am really excited to uh, be part of that educational lineup and it's virtual. So you don't even have to be anywhere as close to Minnesota to check out that, that experience. Um, so if you're dying for more education, in a virtual format, another Zoom call, Northern Green Expo. It's on. You had me at Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Right. The, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll get off. We had our first snow, Western New York only saw, you know, that big Northeast storm came through. We saw up three to five inches. So it was a moderate one. We've got lots of things to be excited about of how we operated and executed. Uh, all of us have, you know, been up since midnight or, or sooner because it just came in early and, uh, but we're running off some nice adrenaline off that. So we got that first snow underneath our belt and it looks like I'll be able to get on some slopes and ski this weekend. So the combination of we maybe we, I think we made money last night in the storm. I don't think we broke anything too bad and we get to have some fun. So I'm happy. That's good. Uh, we're still, we're still waiting for that first, uh, first snowfall uh, plowable event here in the Midwest. We, we got hit with mostly rain, uh, around us the last time but that that still didn't mean uh that still meant uh plenty of plenty of contractors out there flinging salt in the rain i had to had to laugh at that but um what do i got uh rose uh wrapping up uh tomorrow will be you know last day of last day of work for the year uh, unless if it snows but long-term forecasts are not uh not predicting any but uh you know that that always is bound to change. Uh, so looking forward to that. So a couple of weeks off to, uh, you know, do some reflection, some re- relaxing and, uh, you know, just get away from the, the daily grind, so to speak. Um, as far as thorns, I don't think I have any this week. Uh, nice. I mean, mine's pretty simple. I, I, I had, I have a really great rose. Um, actually, um, got a spot in a, a we work downtown dc so um and there's no one there right because of the virus so it's actually great so socially distanced free cold brew it's kind of cool the setup that they got there it makes you feel like you're working at like this like big tech company but with all the amenities but like you know i'm not but it's it's, it's got this like really cool vibe um and it's great not working from home like there's something about it. I was kind of losing my mind a little bit. And now having that space is, is really, really cool. And it's like a, it's like a 12 minute bike ride from my apartment. So, um, and DC winters are like pretty moderate. So I can, I can do that. So uh, my little brother, uh, belonged to one in West LA that had kombucha on tap, not cold brew. No, no, they have kombucha on tap too. Don't, oh, don't worry yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> Don't don't worry about that. I would have said no if that wasn't. I would have said no if that wasn't the case. You know, free trial and all. Uh, but it's actually. It's, I mean, what's what's cool about it? I could go on about it. But it's what's really cool is to, like be actually a customer of a organization that's like a unicorn in that unicorn world, like billion dollar valuations and like a lot of lot of cash flow via investors and and just to see the amenities and like the touches that they put on like their their communication, like their experiences is so polished it's uh it's actually it's really really interesting there's a there's a lot of lessons to learn from them for sure they put a lot of thought into that so 
Anyways, that's a different tangent. Uh, not <laughs> not too much not too much to complain about this this past week. So yeah, it's been good. How about you, Matt? I forgot you guys are skiers. That's like my thing. That's uh, that's my vice. We'll have to uh, hit the slope sometime. But anyway, um, yeah. So my um, my rose. Let's see. Yesterday, uh, similar to Luke, we kind of wrapped up our the green side of our business yesterday, and we had a virtual holiday party for the first time. It was uh, it was good. I dressed up like Buddy the Elf, and we had a raffle, and we played virtual bingo. So definitely a little different look than normal, but nonetheless, uh, it was fun to wrap up the year with the team and sort of look forward to 2021. Uh, the thorn, I don't know, like uh, we mentioned earlier, it just snowed 12 to 18 inches. It's just stopping. So we'll see what kind of carnage is out there. Um, but we, uh, we survived our first, well, this is actually our third plowable event this, this winter, but uh, I'm sure overall it's good, but there's there's some thorn somewhere in there. I don't know about yet. <laughs> oh, it, oh, it's in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's there. But yeah, this is awesome, guys. Really, um, real real fun to connect with you guys, and uh, love love what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, Matt. We we do appreciate it. It's a uh, we love having people like you come on. You know, because um, I think part of our goal is like to to create exposure to say like, Hey, there's cool people doing cool stuff in this industry. And we want to get that out to like other people who might be able to impact that change in their own organization. Right. Kind of spread the love a little bit. So, yep. love um, it. yeah, so it's, so it's a really great, thank you for the leadership that you've had too. So yeah. Um, thanks Matt. Yeah. And, uh, also a big thank you to our listeners. Don't, uh, don't forget to subscribe or leave a review, share with a coworker friend, family member, you want to hear people like Matt, you want to, you want to share this, you know, you got it. This, this is, this is value, high quality. Plus we have a uh, Brett Lemke, who's now a comedian. We heard he's, uh, no, no, that, he's, that, he's got that, a Netflix special coming up soon. Your, your kombucha is getting to your head there. It sounds like so. It's a good thing I'm at home today. So yeah. I just got LaCroix. So, you know, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, uh, well, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of your day and uh, take care. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Yes.